Well, we're going to be blessed here as our brother from Fayetteville, North Carolina, comes to share with us. Many of you know Ben. I know some of you, especially visitors, don't know Ben Goodman. We've had the privilege of working with Ben in ministry and becoming good friends for, man, it's way more years than we can hardly remember. Over 20, I believe. So it's been a long time. Uh, ben is on staff at a pretty large church down in Fayetteville, Manna Church. And he also travels when COVID's not limiting his travels. He travels internationally and ministers to churches uh, in many other countries. And he travels a lot in the United States, ministering to churches, teaching, uh, prophetic ministry. Um, one of the guys that comes here, there is no such thing as working him too hard. He just doesn't get tired. Well, he might get tired, but he doesn't quit. So it's been a real blessing. We've had a busy busy week. Uh, some of you were involved with some of it. That's uh, It's been a blessing for us. And uh, as I shared when we had another visitor a few weeks back, you know, Ben is he's a primarily an itinerant minister, travels a lot. It was very, very limited during the last year. Matter of fact, the foreign travels haven't really been able to open up yet. But we want to be a blessing to him, so we will be encouraging you and, and encouraging you to be praying. Uh, we do not pass baskets, but there will be baskets back on the on the sound booth if for an offering that will go entirely to Ben and his family to support him and his family and his ministry. So we just want to encourage you to be praying about that as uh, the service comes to a close a little bit later on. With that, I want to turn it over to Ben. Ben Goodman, please come on up here. Am I on? I did it right this time. In years past, I usually do it wrong, and then Mike's got to come up and do weird stuff behind my back. But we don't have to do that anymore. We're free. Yeah, Mike and I, we first met when we were 12 years old, and it's just... Wow. I'm telling you, there's going to come a time in the fall... Um, you know how the summer is supposed to be a downtime? Get ready. Near the end of the summer, it's going to start ramping up. More people are going to want to come here and without really knowing why. So start thinking now, if you haven't already, what are you going to do with two services? What are you going to do with two services? And then when you think about it, there's going to be people who are going to travel from, you know these little little towns like 20 minutes, 30 minutes away? These little, like, really, there's a town there. Uh, and some are going to come here and just get ready. Some of those people are going to go, uh, can we start a Bible study in our town? Um, there's such expansion here. And I'm going to say it just so you got something to do. Uh, next couple of years, going to be another building project that's just, uh, you need bigger, more. Just saying. And it's not, you know, bigger isn't always better unless God's behind it and God's behind it. So, uh, uh, enjoy the time of rest, right? Mike, enjoy your, enjoy your sabbatical. <laughs> yeah. Um, the kingdom of God's always expanding. Have you ever noticed that? And so, uh, when you have a church that's following God, it's always expanding. And you guys are. I love ministering to a whole bunch of churches, but there's there's a couple churches that I really like coming to because I have such good friends, or at least you all pretend that we're friends, and um, you know, I've said the, the, the Ballot and Marshall area is sort of my home away from home, so I always love coming here. 
We do a lot of visiting. I'm, I'm going to unashamedly. There's, you know these Minnesota holes in the wall, these dives, that you go, why would anybody go into that building, right, let alone eat in that building? Right? I love those places. I used to live in Fergus Falls many years ago, and there's this little, uh, the Viking Cafe. If you've ever been there, it's just a hole in the wall. They've been there forever. I mean, there, there's a waitress there that I think she's 80 years old, but she can still sling the coffee, and it's just an amazing thing. Well, there's this place. It's called Bruiser's, right? And you figure it's a, you know, it's a bar. You know, you go there, drink heavily, and fight. No. Uh, you drink heavily, fight after you have a really good meal. We went there yesterday. It was really, really good. But it was, it's a dive. It's like there's nothing about it that makes you want to go there except the food. Now, you know, I'm from New Jersey, and I'm with these Minnesotans. And we get up. We're going to leave. And you know, you know how you guys are. You go, they, they all went, they looked at me and went, he's not from around here. They just sort of know. They just sort of know. Okay, I won't go here anymore. They just sort of know. Like, huh. He's not from around here. So uh, thank you for your gift of hospitality. Um, I want to pray and give you a message that's really, 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 really on my heart. I usually pray before whenever I preach, but I've just been sort of digging in just a little bit more because uh, what I think is going to happen at the end of this message, only God can pull off. So Lord, uh, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're you're amongst us. For those of us who have given their lives to Jesus, we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you dwell in us. That's an amazing thing. Holy Spirit, would you please, you know, your presence is great, but unless you do what only you can do, uh, well, we'll just feel like there is more. Holy Spirit, you're the one that reveals Jesus. You're the one that makes real the heart, the mind, the power of Jesus. You're the one who does what only you can do. So Holy Spirit, I ask that you would do that today for my brothers and sisters. Amen. There's a, a scripture in, in uh, Galatians chapter 5. It, it says, uh, it's for freedom that Christ set us free. I remember early on in my walk with Jesus, I saw that. I'm going, yes, freedom, right? And I was a new believer and I didn't know much, but I knew I was saved and I I just knew I was loved by God. And every time I would read Scripture and it would jump out at me, I'd get excited about it, even if my reading of that Scripture was just whack, you know. Um, and this was one of them. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And I got all excited. In my head, I'm going, well, because what Jesus has done, I'm free. I can do whatever I want. Like now, with, without getting in trouble or or going to hell, I'm, I'm free to, to do what I want, to think what I want, to feel what I want, <clears throat> and just choose whatever I want. And uh, that was pretty exciting for a short period of time. But it's really interesting. I'm not, believe me, I'm not slamming America. I love America. You've got to say America that way. And you know you're a patriot, America. You don't need the A, America. Um, there's something about the American idea of freedom, and it's a political idea of freedom, and it's a legitimate political idea of freedom that non-interference, non-interference. 
I get to do whatever I want to do without your interference. It's a very uh, American political idea, and I'm not dinging it. I'm not, I'm, and I'm not going to get political here. But spiritually, that way of thinking of freedom will not ever work. Here's why. Scripture tells us, I believe it's in Romans, that um, we're a slave to the one we obey. And it doesn't say that you know, we're free to choose whatever we want. We're free to do this. There's nowhere in the Bible that, that we have this radical free will that we can choose to be whoever we want. We can do whatever we uh, want to be um, no matter what our influences are, no matter what our biology is, you know, I choose to self-identify as a three-year-old giraffe. Yes, you know, there's, you know what I'm saying? There's, it, it, it's a fiction. It's a fi- there's some things we cannot choose. We, we cannot choose who our biological family is. We can't. It, it was chosen for. There's so many things that we can't just separate ourselves from. So the idea that I'm free to do whatever I want, it's a fiction and it's a fantasy. The human soul screams for a certain kind of freedom. We're a slave to the one we uh, uh, obey. If we are enslaved to the world system, our heart will never be satisfied. If we're a slave to our past, our heart will never be satisfied. We're a slave to money. We're a slave to our own opinions. There's a whole bunch of things we can be enslaved to. We can even be just really committed. We're enslaved to getting every blessing from God we can. There's only one kind of slavery that will satisfy the human heart. And that's where we're actually, just hear me right, a slave of Jesus, where we go... You're the most important thing. Your wish is my command. I don't care what I think. I want to do. If you want me to do that, fine. You want me to become certain thing? Okay, yeah, what, whatever. You know, I can do the California thing. Whatever. If my girls were here, they go, no, you can't do it right. And this thing, I'm still learning how to do that. I know you can do it. You can do that. Oh, come on. If you could do a video, no mic, the lady behind you. No. Can you imagine Mike going, hello, everybody. Anyway, I can't unsee that. Anyway, the freedom that the human heart screams for has everything to do with how we actually relate to the real Jesus, not our idea of what Jesus is, what we want Jesus to be. Real freedom, there's three aspects to it. I'm leading to something that is just so important for me as well as you. Real freedom... Uh, has three components. To the extent that we actually are developing a real live relationship with the real Jesus. To the extent that we know Jesus. Then to that extent we're free. Just as an example. Let's say there's someone you really like. Yeah, friend. And when you're around them, don't we say things like, God, when I'm around you, I just feel so good. We don't even have to talk about anything. Yeah, when I'm around you, just being with you just lifts me up. Just being around you, just learning more about you. I, man, I remember when I was chasing my wife, before she was my wife. And I was, in fa- I mean, I was just, 
oh my gosh, I could spend a lifetime getting to know you. She's just fascinating, and, and it, it didn't have to have anything to do with me. But of course, hopefully it did. I wanted to know about her, just get to know her. And the more I got to know about her, I'm going, dang, even her imperfections are just awesome. I just love your imperfections. It was just something. Being with her just satisfied me. Uh, me, And it, it, it wasn't even something that I had to get. And so cultivating my relationship with her, that, that sort of satisfied my heart. Not fully. Well, take that and put it on steroids. And that's what it is with Jesus. When, that, that's why pastors are always going, please have your devotionals with the real Jesus. Why? So you can check off the religious chuck mark and said you did something religiously correct. No, 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 no. What you do is you spend time with the real Jesus, get to know how Jesus thinks, how he feels, he'll speak to you. And just that, you do that after a while, there's a, there's a sense of freedom. The other one is to the extent that we actually trust Jesus. It's a, it's a process. When I, you know, if you're a Christian, you have, you have said, okay, God, I trust what you did on the cross. I give you my past, present, and future. Here, make me born again. Boom. You know, uh, here's my life. And he goes, thank you. And he takes, he takes it. We sign over our life to him, and the deal's done. And then we get to walk it out. Then we learn how to trust Jesus with our emotions. I hate them. Don't do that. Forgive them. But I hate them. No, do it my way. All right, I choose to forgive. Oh, I feel so much better. Or trust Jesus with, with, with your money. Well, first, Jesus, I trust you with my money. Jesus goes, no, it's my money. Wait a second. No, it's my, no, it's my money. And I give it to you. Yeah, there's something about when, when we learn to trust Jesus in the everyday affairs of everyday life. There's something that happens. It's hard as heck. It is hard as heck sometimes. You want to do one thing, God wants you to do another, and you go, oh, I'm going to do what I want. That never satisfies. It never satisfies. It has never satisfied in the long run. For five minutes you feel free because you got away with it. But eventually it bites you in the butt. I said that. I'm so sorry. Anyway, not really. There's something about when we learn to trust Jesus with just our life, how we actually do life, the more we do that, the more that, that cry of our heart gets satisfied. And the third one is to the extent that we actually obey Jesus. It's great to know Jesus, just being with him. Great to trust him with things. But every so often he goes, I want you to do this. And you go, but I don't know how to do it. Forgive them. But I don't want to. I mean, have you ever just done that? I don't want to. Or that's not how I was raised. Or there's all, all the excuses. But, no, just do it. It's so important that obedience is not this religious thing that God beats us over the head with. Obedience is the key to experiencing the freedom that our heart cries out for. It's the weirdest thing. For example, there's this demoniac. He was packing critters. He had just a whole bunch of demons, and he had self-destructive behavior, and nobody liked him. And then he felt the call of God to go after Jesus. It was just an amazing thing. He had all these issues. He has all this self-destructive behavior. And he's packing demons, right? But there was this call. And he, he takes his issues, he takes these demons, and he brings them little by little to the real of Jesus. Can you uh, please don't say, yes, I can imagine this. But can you imagine being a demon? And you're inside this guy. 
and you're going, what are you doing? You're not going to make it. Look, you're, there, there's more of us. There are legion in you. We own you. We live in you. You're spiritually defiled. He's holy. He'll never get you. Just stop now. Why fail? That's what, if you were a demon, that's what you'd say. And then your, your flesh would go, oh my gosh, I'm so messy. I haven't bathed in months. I cut myself. God made me and I defiled me. Oh, it's just horrible. And I let the demons in. Oh my gosh. Right? There's all these things that mitigate against going toward Jesus. But none of those things could actually keep this guy from coming to Jesus. And guess what? The closer he got to Jesus, I'm sure his flesh was going, it's never going to work. And the demons are going, you're history. Right? But the, and then, boom. He, he obeyed the call of God. And the closer he got, I'm sure there was battles, but there was a time when he crossed over and it's like, boom, the demons are gone. Boom, he had a bath. <laughs> boom, he was of his right mind. Obedience, even though it's a battle, will always lead to experiencing satisfaction for the heart, for, for the heart cry, for freedom, always. Sometimes it takes longer. So real freedom is a matter of learning to obey Jesus, to trust Jesus, and to know Him. Out of that, all the things that our heart want, that's where we experience those things. Anyway, there are two kinds of freedom. The freedom from certain things, and then there's a freedom to do certain things. As we grow in our relationship with Jesus we can experience freedom from things that hold us back. Here's one that I didn't put in my notes. So you don't have to put anything up. You're going, wait, it's not here. <laughs> okay. Um, when, when you have a relationship with the real Jesus, when you have signed your life over to Jesus, when you've bent the knee, ask him to forgive you for all your sins and come into your life, what that does is it delivers you from the from, from the prospect of an eternity in hell. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying to be clear. Yeah, God says that in the human heart, he, he puts eternity in the hearts of all people. And one way that I read that is every human being, whether they'll acknowledge it or not, whether they have the right words or not, every human being knows there's a lot at stake we have a sense that eternity lasts a long time. Eternity is real. And that after we die, there's still stuff on the other side. And we know it. We know it. When you are born again, you have this, I no longer have to worry about where I'm going and where I belong. It's... When we're born again, that, that eternity thing, it gets satisfied. We know that even if our life's tough here, we know there's a heaven with Jesus. And you don't want to carry around the idea of, am I in or am I out? Am I his or am I someone else's? So the, the freedom that Jesus gives us is the freedom from that trajectory that ends up in hell. That's my evangelistic thing. Now on to more uncontroversial things. There's a freedom from unbiblical thinking. In Colossians chapter 2, 
And this is very important for what's going on in our country. Uh, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. I'm telling you, there are theories running around. I'm going to say it, critical race theory, uh, social justice theory. This has nothing to do with whether I believe racism is wrong, because it is, biblically it's wrong. But there are a whole bunch of theories that are actually, they're not, a, not just not in the Bible, they're hostile to what God teaches. That human beings come up with some of the greatest theories, as groups of people, we come up with our own theories. We're really we're theory factories. And we have a world system which is always developing theories that are designed to either water down or undermine God's ways. And I have this strange feeling since God is God, He's smart, and His truth is the truth. It's just one of those things. So we're commanded by God, don't play around. Even though we have the freedom to have our own opinions, don't let that thing, uh, don't let that make you believe that you have the freedom to, de- to determine your own truth. I mean, sorry, Oprah. My truth is based on my own lived experiences. Well, maybe. Your truth will never satisfy. Only Jesus is the truth. So see to it. Don't believe everything. Don't get mad at everything. Don't believe it and see if it connects with Jesus. There's something incredibly liberating when you think certain things and that's how you frame your life and then you start seeing how Jesus uh, sees things. When you start exchanging the lie for the truth, mm, it's like you're set free from foolish thinking. Second Corinthians, I got Corinthians right this time. Chapter 10, verse 3 through 5, it says, Though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. What are strongholds? Many different ways to go, but here we demolish arguments, worldviews. We demolish every pretension, every idea that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Remember those three things about what freedom really is? There's a whole bunch of ideas that are deeply ingrained in us that actually conflict with really knowing God, really trusting God, really obeying God. It's amazing, all those ideas. We all know that God only helps those who help themselves. That's not true. Some of you are going, amen. No, no, no. Or, or, you know, I'm so bad, i got to get myself good so God can help me. That's religion. There are so many ideas that we carry around with us. Or, man, I've just met so many guys who go, well, yeah, Christianity is good. It's great for women, you know, and, and children, right? But not for men like me. Oh, my gosh. May you meet a modern-day King David. You know, for these manly men, I don't need this little Jesus stuff, this little prissy Jesus stuff. Go up to a modern-day King David and go, you know, all this God stuff is a little, little wussy. That's probably the, the last words you will say this side of eternity. Some of the most genuinely manly men have surrendered everything to Jesus. So, And by the way, Jesus was no slouch himself. Anyway, 
When, when we follow Jesus, we put off old thinking and, and just take on new thinking. I'm telling you, we realize, how can I think like that? There's a freedom from that kind of dark, familiar thinking. And we go, oh, God's right all along. Then there's a kind of freedom from our sins. Have you ever done something and keep on doing it and you know it's wrong? And you feel good just for a second or two, but then you feel miserable and shame and guilt. And you just keep on doing it. Just keep on doing it. There's an addiction to sin. Feels good just for a little while, and then you feel miserable, right? You try to justify, but there's something about when we take our sins, what we've done, God will not only break the addiction, but if we confess our sins to Him, He will not only forgive us, but He'll cleanse us. Now, you, you have no idea what it is to have your, your guilt and shame remo- removed until you confess the sin that produced it. But when you do it, it's like you're fresh. I know this is sort of gross, but have you ever changed a baby's diaper? Of course you have, right? And there it is, the pile of stuff. The, ba- the baby always cries, but they can get used to it. Have you ever seen babies, they just get used to carrying around the load? You know, and they sit down and go, ooh, this feels good, you know, right? You can get, you can get used to carrying that around. But then when, when, when you get your diaper changed and everything's sort of cleaned up, a little powder, baby's always happy. Have you ever, ooh, this is so different. <laughs> That's what it is when we go to Jesus and actually confess our sins to him. Not only will he forgive us, for what we've done, but he'll clean us. There's, there's a freedom when your drawers aren't filled. You smell better too. Then there's another kind of free, free, um, freedom, freedom from sin. And I've already mentioned this. Our old self, before we came to Jesus, our old self says, I'm in charge of my life. I own my life. I will do what I want to do in my own strength, my own ideas. Then when you give your life over to Jesus, have you ever noticed that little, that thing never really goes away? There's always the part of you going, it's my life. I'll relate to God so he can help me in my plan. That sin, another word for that is iniquity, was I'm going to live my own life. We give so much counsel to people. Say, well, look, you know, I know you're having a problem. Yeah, your wife goes to you know, goes to work on a broom and, you know, things like that. It's really horrible and all. But just love one another. No! That's not it. Buddy, so, are, are you living your own life or are you living the life that God wants you to live? Oh, no, if He just, just fixed this woman, that there's a captivity that comes when we go, I'm going to live my own life. And when we keep on doing it, we don't experience the things that we think we should be experiencing. But when we go to God and say, I've been living my own life. i got great ideas, but God, what's yours? And I'll go with that. There's something about when we follow the real Jesus, we're no longer as invested in doing what we want and getting God to come on board. We're more into, all right, God, this is what I want. If you can do that, that'd be fine. But what do you want? I want to get on board with you. When you, when you, when you go over into that way of thinking, there's something in your soul that goes... This is what my heart was screaming for all along. Where I want to land here is this. 
When we actually start following the real Jesus, and, I mean, you are, but more and more and more, we experience a freedom from fear. Let me tell you a story. Uh, at the beginning of this year, I'm not bragging, but God called me to do a, like a 40-day fast. And uh, it was pretty, I, I learned a lot and all, but halfway through, I was speaking to our, our, our staff, and I was talking about fasting. And we talked about, you know, I said, look, uh, we're all going to be going into a fast, and um, there's some standard things. Yeah, you, know, you fast social media, you fast certain kinds of foods. You know, so there's, there's some standard basic principles. If you want to fast, you do that. And I, what I, all I did was encourage them and says, in addition to that, ask God, what does he want you to fast? Right? And I had some examples like, uh, why don't you fast interrupting your wife and just choose to listen to her? You know? And a couple guys giggled. A couple guys groaned. Right? Or, you know, whatever, God may ask you to fast something that is not just standard. It's just customized to you. Or fast certain relationships. Yeah, your buddy, 30 years old. But, you know, every time you're around him, he drags you over to the dark side. You know, just fast that for a couple weeks. There's just a whole bunch of things... And so I get this really good message. Everybody was just on it. Everybody was just on it. And as I'm walking off the stage, God says, I want you to fast fear. And I went, now I don't take myself to be a particularly fearful guy. I just don't. Um, I don't have a high degree of self-knowledge. Because when he said fast fear, I almost started arguing with him. God, you got the wrong guy. But then he just said, I want you to fast fear. And so I just chose. I choose, Lord, to fast fear. And for the next couple weeks, I saw how fear had crept in. That there were a lot of things I was doing cautiously, right, that were just disguises for fear. I mean, I just saw just the thread, you know, well-marbled meat, right? It's got the little fat. It seemed like fear had just been just got marbled into my life. And I'm going, oh my gosh, this is like a virus. I, I was more afraid than I, than I thought. And w- when I chose to fast fear, when I would do something, the Holy Spirit was just, He was so faithful, He goes, there's fear involved here. And instead of wrestling with the fear, I go, nope, nope. And it just sort of went away. And then I was able to clearly, and sometimes even boldly, make some decisions. I didn't realize that this little veneer of fear was sort of holding me back from doing some of the things or thinking some of the things that I knew God was leading me to do. It was, it was the craziest experience. And uh, after a couple of weeks, I'm going, wow, fasting fear works. In Luke chapter 1, verses 68 through 69, I want you, and then verse 74, 75, um, talking about Jesus, he, Jesus, he has come to his people and he's redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us to do what? To rescue us from the hand of our enemies. We sang about that. And to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. What would that look like? What would it look like to actually 
serve God, be led by God, let Him do great things in us and through us, and do it and serve Him without any fear all the days of our life. I think that would be pretty good. That would be better than a diaper change. Many of us, without really knowing it, we're afraid of death. Not because we don't know we'll go to heaven, just afraid of it. And so we make decisions based on, well, you know. Some of us are afraid of the enemy. Oh, the demon's after us. I mean, we need to respect. But there's this fear of evil. There's this fear of evil. Here's another fear of making mistakes. There's somebody, well, I know God wants me to do it, but I'm probably going to blow it, so I'm not going to do it. I'm going to play it safe. Aren't you tired of playing it safe? Aren't you tired of just playing it safe? When God said, why don't you just try this? Or go on sabbatical and see what happens. You know, there's a, aren't you tired of playing it safe? Aren't you tired of playing it safe? The, the, the fear of making mistakes. The fear of being ashamed when you make mistakes holds us back. The fear of being rejected or abandoned because oh, we're going to try this and people may not understand. Many people, you know, they've, they've given their lives to Jesus and they're still afraid of their past. They're trying to go forward and they're waiting for their, their past to come up and bite them. You know, say, yeah, you were forgiven of this, but not really. Boom! God's going to get you. People live many times, they try to go into their future and they're afraid of their past. They're not just weighed down by their past, they're afraid of their past. There are people who are just flat out afraid of the future. Oh God, I know you have the plan, but you haven't told us what the plan is. So until you tell me the whole plan, I'm not going to do anything. And even if you give me the plan, I know I'm not going to do it, so I'm just going to play it safe. I'm telling you, playing it safe, there's no freedom in it. There's no freedom. Here's the one that, if I, have, I will be honest, if I have to be honest. I'm afraid of changing. I know what I do, I know what I'm good at, I know what I'm not good at. And there's this new thing, I don't know if I'm going to be good at it. The fear of change, it's amazing. When the prospect of change comes, it's like, <sighs> what's going to happen? Here's another one, fear, <coughs> excuse me, the fear of man. Where we go forward, yeah, when we make decisions, we t- should take into consideration what people might think and what people, what people might do. They call that wisdom. And what, but when other, what other people think and what other people do, that determines whether or not you obey God, you're held captive. Scripture tells us that the fear of man is a snare. And here's another one. The fear of your calling. Each of us are called to become certain kinds of people and to accomplish certain sorts of things. Not everybody's going to be like Mike, you know, be a lead pastor and all that. You know, uh, but we all have a calling. Sometimes we're afraid of it. We're afraid of what would it be like to actually, for me, really experience the fullness of everything that God has for me. What would be that? I'm too afraid of that. And then if you get real Minnesotan, you go, well, I shouldn't even think that because that's not very, very humble. There's something about experiencing the fullness of why you're here that makes your heart sing. So there's things that we can be free from. God wants to set us free from those things so we can be free to fulfill our callings. 
to fulfill why we're here on planet Earth. In Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verse 10, it says, We are God's workmanship, not an accident. We are God's workmanship. We've been created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Uh, in, in Philippians, Paul tells us that, he goes, one of the marks of maturity is to forget what is behind and go forward to lay a hold of everything that God has for us. That's not spiritual egomania. That is a mark of spiritual maturity. So how do you experience this? The first way, if you have fear, especially fear, don't do anything with your fear. You drag your fear. You come to Jesus. Just hear the scripture. This is Jesus speaking to every one of us. Come to me. Not come to church, although you should come to church. Don't go to your counselor. Oh, it's good to go to your counselor. But fundamentally, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. You ever saw this movie called The Help? Anybody ever see that movie? Okay, three of you. Thank you. Well, anyway, there was this, this black lady. She'd been a, a house lady for this real evil white lady, right? And then this evil white lady was just really evil to this black lady. And this black lady, she was just so mad, but she had compassion. She just got right in front of this lady, and she goes, Ain't you tired? Ain't you tired? Ain't you tired? I'm telling you, as soon as I saw that, I went, I'm going to preach on that. You know, Jesus goes, it's basically real nicely, very Christ-like. He goes, ain't you tired? The sins you've been carrying, the sin you're carrying, all that fear you're carrying, ain't you tired? Ain't you tired of managing all that stuff? Ain't you tired of that? All the expectations. All the, ain't you tired? Jesus said, first step, ain't you tired? Come to me. I'll give you rest. You can't give yourself rest. Your spouse can't give you rest. You come to me. Second, you confess it. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, if we confess, well, just to say Jesus, he already knows, but when we say it, this is a problem for me. He's faithful and just, and he'll not only forgive us, but he'll start cleansing us, start purifying us. That's what Jesus does. And then, surrender. Mark chapter 8, verse 35. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life and lose it... <coughs> Whoever wants to save their life, they'll lose it. For whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel is saved. There's something about, okay, God, please forgive me. Cleanse me. Okay, here's this thing. Here's what you want. I think I'll do it this way. It's a surrender thing. Instead of going with what's familiar, what God has cleansed you of, what he's forgiven you of, take the unfamiliar route. And then Act. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 2. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. 
And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We get rid of stuff that doesn't belong in us, not so that we're more lovable. We don't get forgiven from our sins so that we're more lovable. We don't, we don't surrender our sinful nature so we're more lovable. We don't get rid of our fear so that we're more lovable. God's love is not on the table. The reason we throw this stuff off is so we can run our race. The reason we throw stuff off is so we can run our race to experience the fullness of why we're here, to experience that kind of freedom that our heart screams for. I'm deliberately speaking really low because I would really like to preach you all up into a frenzy. But the Spirit of God is here to do many things. You may have some sins. You need to confess them. If you've been leading your own life and trying to get God to bless you, you need to confess that. But just on my heart is that veneer of fear that is so familiar to us, we don't even know it's fear unless God shows us. Scripture is really clear. God did not give us a spirit of fear. No matter how familiar it is, God did not give us a spirit of fear. He didn't. Scripture also tells us that Fear has to do with punishment, getting in trouble, everything blowing up, not being good enough. But the perfect love of God drives away all fear. I'm not, I'm not going to force or stir you up, but I'm going to give you an opportunity. Um, if you know that you have fear in your life and you're going, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of of even learning how to manage my fear. I'm tired of fear being familiar. I'm tired of being gripped by fear. I try really hard, but the fear is still there. If that's you, please stand. I want to pray for you. Because the Holy Spirit is here to help you start fasting fear. On your mark, get set. We're not going to have an altar call. But if you know you got fear running in your veins... Please stand and I'll pray for you. Fear of death. Fear of what my friends will think. There's some people sitting there going, I'm afraid of getting married. I'm afraid of men. This is from a woman's point of view. I'm afraid of women. From a guy's point of view. I'm afraid of running my race and being afraid. I mean, why? Ain't you tired of, of just... It's not like you get to do what you want, but that veneer. Ain't you tired of justifying, not taking little steps? God is here not to slap you, not to rebuke you, but to touch you. Who's doing this? Yeah. She's just going to get up and do this. No, she's going to play some music. I wish I had the magic wand that could go, no fear. Fear not. I wish I could do it. Boy, they'd write me up in charisma. But I know the Holy Spirit can. 
That's what he did with me. So I'm going to pray for you. Pray for us. Lord Jesus, as much as we know, we just invite you. Your presence is so powerful and so gentle all at the same time. We're tired of being used to fear. Tired of it. We're tired of just carrying fear as if that's the normal baggage we're to carry. But some of us fears become so familiar. We don't even know it's like not to have the fear. We try to manage it, we try to compensate for it, but it's just there. Fear of death, fear of the future, fear of our past. Lord, one of the reasons you came was so that we could serve you in holiness and in righteousness all the days of our life without fear. We sure would like to start experiencing that. I ask first, God, for all who are really into this, God, would you help us to fast fear? Then when it comes up, we'll just go, new. Nope, I'm fast in fear. The Holy Spirit, I ask right now for every person, we're coming to you, we surrender to you. Holy Spirit, would you come and would you bring just that that word, that, that touch, just, just a little drop of your love that makes fear unfamiliar. It makes fear the voice of the stranger. It drives away all fear. God, I ask that you would start something right now in our lives in this church where one of the hallmarks of who we are is not we're trying to prove something, but we serve our Lord. We go forward. We make decisions without fear. Give us that mark on our soul. Lord, where there's fear, Replace it with a courage that can only come from God. Lord, I ask that you would not only just touch fear and remove it, you would replace it with that quiet confidence that you know what you're doing, you know the end from the beginning, that we can trust you, we can know you, and we can obey you, and we can go through anything knowing that you're in charge of our life. God, would you establish that in our lives? And Lord, for those who do not yet know you, this is your day. Just say, I want to be in. I want to be, I want to be a son of God, not just a visitor. Just give it up. And if you've been far from God, don't be afraid. Just come on home. He will welcome you. He'll clean you up. He'll give you new clothes. Lord, I ask, starting this day, fear will no longer be familiar in any of our lives. Amen. just want to encourage you, don't let that be just a five-minute thing that you just did now and hope you feel better. You need to resist it. There's certain things we need to receive and there's certain things we need to resist. When that fear thing comes on you, that is not of God that brings anxiety and, and 
pressure. So you can speak to it like you would a very, someone you don't like a lot. Well, you wouldn't do that, right? We're Christians. But I encourage you, take authority over that fear that doesn't belong to you. Don't take ownership of that. So we're going to pray and close the service, and then we're going to give some time for those that need to leave, and then we're going to uh, go ahead and have the children come back and present those awards. Uh, if, As far as giving uh, to Ben and his family and his ministry, if you're going to write a check, just make it up to Victory Church or Victory, whatever you put in there is fine. Maybe make a little note in the memo, uh, Ben, and then uh, the, the baskets here or in the foyer would work fine. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you this morning that we can walk in the liberty and the freedom that Christ died to set us free from fear and all other things that are, that are not of you. God, that we can walk in this kind of freedom. We have the freedom to choose to do the right thing. Thank you, Lord, that we have been set free from the power of sin and death. So, Lord, I pray as we go, we, we not only walk leaving all those burdens behind us. God, we go out and prepare to share with others that we would come across to set them free, to share the good news of the gospel, to share that with them, the freedom that is there available to all who receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that there is an abundant life that Jesus died to give us. So we thank you this morning, Lord, for that new freedom for each one of us here today, that we would walk in it, we would embrace it, that we would reject and renounce fear. Father, we give you all the praise and glory and thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen.